0: Thank you for bringing this, uh, Brother Randy. Um, it's, um, I think if we're <clears throat> pursuing Christ, it's something that we always have to be on the, the alert. And I just know it in my life. It's, um, we have to realize that the enemy is out to, to hinder, to destroy any work of Christ. And um, the the only thing that I've seen in the past, when um, when people go on what they, what we call the religious spirit, I usually call it the Pharisaical spirit, is that um, a lot of people just go bonkers, and uh, and they're not necessarily pursuing the life of faith. They 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 go into some kind of a throw everything out, do it disoriented for years and years. And I I noticed, I appreciated one thing in the very beginning, uh, when you said that um, religion, that spirit, is the imitation of faith. And this is what I want to speak about this morning. Um, It's been something that's on my heart for I don't know for a while. And um, we've uh, we've all read many books about faith. We hear people talk about faith and a lot of times I'm trying to piece it together when people talk about faith. What does it actually mean? What, what does it say? And so many years of my life, it was, I'm not sure if the terminology of what people said or what the word of God said was the confusion in my life. Even looking at Hebrews 11, what was he talking about? When he said faith, or without faith, it is impossible to please him. So I want to talk about it this morning, and um, I believe many, many people believe that faith is just a mental state, or something that we possess, or a a certain thought or idea. But I by the grace of God, I would like to dig into the Word here, and, and maybe speak on what I've experienced, on what I've gleaned off the Word through the years, what faith really is. And I know it's, it's probably maybe the main pillar of, our, of, of who we are. So let's bow our heads before the Lord again this morning. Father God, we come before you in Jesus precious name to worship you this morning, to look into your word, to open our hearts and to examine ourselves and to see if we are truly walking with you side by side. And we trust, trust you by faith and know that you are God who said, and promises and all these promises are true and right to even check our hearts if we believe on these things. Lord we pray that you that you speak this morning. We pray Holy Spirit that you fill this room that your presence may be richly felt in this room. We pray Lord that you will prohibit the enemy to even enter an attempt to hinder the word to come into this room, to come into this presence here. We pray, Lord, that you bless our time here, that you receive honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start out by what I feel the word means, the word faith. I want to take it apart into four categories and it's not gonna take long and here here it goes so first it starts with having a need when we have a need or being deprived of God or godliness there's a need there number two then we encounter we see we hear, we get a foretaste of the truth, we we start getting a hold of it. Number three, then there is believing of the presented truth or evidence what is being said. We believe. And then number four, there's a reaction to the revelation or commandment that has been presented to us through various ways from God. We respond because we trust and believe. And that equals faith. And you can see it's a, it's a whole package. It's the, the complete package rather than just the first one seeing. Or maybe the first two points I had here. Seeing and maybe believing. And then happily walk our way. Um, If we stop halfway in our walk. There's one end here that is shipwreck. That is no faith. No walk with Christ. No godliness. That's what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's like building a house on the sand. So once this pattern has started, I believe it will somewhat to that caliber um, repeat itself throughout our life as we serve Christ. As it says in James 2.17, Even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead being alone. Works. If it had not now faith, if it had not works, is dead being alone. And we have to be, to have to realize that the works, I believe in James, are attached to the word faith. They go together. It's, It's again not believing something here and doing something of our own over here and trying to put them together. The works are a direct result of trusting and believing the commandments of Christ. So I want to look at the word here and and present three different ways that I've known it in the past. And I'll try my best to um, explain it. And um, there are my own observations. And I believe the first one. Is the one we're the most familiar with. Uh, I feel that there's some error in the interpretation of it, and the way it is interpreted, it's it's something. Faith is something that we possess and hold on to, like it's probably more, probably more looked at, like as something that we believe in. It is more the position of a fundamentalist it's a, if you think about it, it's a mixture between Anabaptism and Protestant. Where from the Anabaptists it would be the conservative streak and the package from the Protestants, it's the mental illusion of that particular position. If I would be holding on to that type of faith, I would say I believe in the whole list of doctrines and I will hold on to them. I don't believe in divorce and remarriage, I don't believe in, uh, in killing another person. I don't believe in war. Um, I don't believe in swearing an oath. We, we're all familiar with that. I would say I believe in that whole list of doctrines. And I would hold on to them. i say that's my faith. Then, or when I will be challenged with a certain one, like, uh, for example, a conscientious objector, I will choose what my doctrine deems me to be it's my faith. And it's not all that bad. It actually cultivates a good culture, a godly culture. Doctrine is important. But it seems to me, remember that's my own observation, but it seems to me that that, that it usually does not leave much of an impact in its surrounding. And the fundamentalists always has a weak impact on their surroundings. Okay, the second one that I've observed, and maybe there are more, is leaning towards liberal Protestant camp. Many things can be lived into existence. I know that many Protestants differ in that, but it can be most easily found in that camp. One of the clearest examples is the Word of Faith movement. At its core, a a person is a Christian. In exchange, he gets to be happy, and rich, and prosperous. Preachers take advantage of this approach and trick their followers into giving them donations. And in return, they will be blessed all the more. Many people are deceived just because they use the name of Christ. Faith in that camp is also defined as something that I believe in, but fail to respond to the required action it presents. And we've probably heard it a lot of times that even the word of God is more a book of suggestions than it is the the real word of God, the authoritative word of God, and the commandments of God. And I believe if we're honest, we can look back at these two uh, positions and look at faith and we say, "Mm, I think I've been found in, in both of them, if not still am found in both of them. So, the third one, I believe it's the biblical term that we can piece together from the Word of God. It's this faith where all the men of faith intend to go to report, in Hebrews 11. When the Bible speaks about faith, it is a deeper meaning than what we generally get today. It is extremely important that we comprehend it. And I say again, it's extremely important that we comprehend it. I believe without it, we don't have a walk. I believe without it, we're dead. In Hebrews eleven six, we get this verse that should stop us in our tracks and ponder and wonder what the writer presented here. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And diligently seek him is also seeking what he's saying, his commandments, and living by these commandments, and that he is a rewarder if we do these things, just like we see in Hebrews 11. <clears throat> so if you think about that, What is the end goal of a Christian? What is our end goal? Think about it for a minute. What is our end goal? Isn't it to please God? I think that is what we'll be judged by. If we please God, if we live according to his commandments, we believe he, you know, he says we believe, we react. If we do it faithfully, we please God. This is what we're living for, to please God. So shouldn't that beg the question? How each day is conducted then? How every moment is being conducted, how we live our lives. Shouldn't that call for a a time to examine our life? The best way to look at it is look at our own walk with God. Look at our own walk. If we're sitting here and say we're on a journey, we've started the walk of faith, let's look at it. It starts by faith. When we are sitting here, we say we're believers, we say that we've been cleansed, we say that the only way we we found grace in the eyes of God is through the blood of the Lamb, it started by faith, a call from darkness to light. A call from darkness to light. In Colossians 2:13And <laughs> you being dead in your sins in the circumcision of your flesh, had he quickened, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that are against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Now, is this true for our life? Have we fully grasped and believed that, even the young people sitting here, uh, young in the faith, fresh? Can we identify with these verses? The life of faith is a privilege. It's not an entitlement that we can partake of. It is a privilege. And we live in an entitlement world. And I believe that crosses over a lot of times into salvation where we feel we are entitled. We are entitled to the things of God. We are entitled to salvation. But it, I tell you, it's 100% privilege. And we're not entitled because we're from a certain church or grew up in a certain family. We are partakers of eternal life only by the grace of God, as Jesus has taken upon him the wrath of God. That is the only way we are partakers of eternal life. He has extended an invitation to all of us for the forgiveness of sins and trespasses and to eternal life. As soon as we recognize that invitation and we realize that we're utterly lost without him, it's the beginning of our faith. So we realize we see, we see our deprived state. And as soon as we recognize, and just that invitation starts to make sense, it is the beginning of our faith, just the beginning. And right away we are tested to accept the free gift of salvation or ignoring it. If we ignore it, then the mustard seed hasn't started to form. This is why Jesus said in John 3.18, He that believeth on him... Oh, it's, it's John. Uh, he, that yeah, he that believeth on him is not condemned. He believeth, he reacted, he's not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. This is the condemnation. If we love darkness, our lives, rather than light. Now if you think about it, that is the exact same reason throughout our life that cripples faith. We'd rather choose the things of this world, the, the, the works of our flesh, than being obedient to God. Remember what Hebrews 11 says about Moses? He chose the afflictions of his people more than the riches of Egypt, paraphrasing. So can we identify again with these words? These verses: He that believeth is not condemned, and their walk of faith has started. It's something that we can measure off ourselves off. If we can identify with these verses, then faith has started in our life. On the other hand, there's condemnation that we may, that we have seen the light, but we love darkness rather than light and faith is dead. God is holy and righteous, but in his abundant mercy has given us a way to come into his presence, and that is only by the blood of the Lamb. That is the only way we'll ever find favor in the eyes of God. In order for that to happen, we have to accept the forgiveness of God through the cross, repent, and start walking in newness of life. Once that has happened, our act... Our first act of faith was completed and the faith as small as a mustard seed has sprung up and we continue to nurture and build on that beginning. So can we appreciate that the way faith has started and has made us members of the household of God? We received the word, we looked at it, and then we reacted. If we reacted in obedience and it produced the work that completes faith in our lives. God then responds. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This is at the very beginning when we start our walk. And if we have not started it, this is how we started it. God then responds by coming into our lives and makes his abode with us through the Holy Spirit as we read in Ephesians 1 verses 13 and 14. Here's another very important verses. Ephesians 1, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted. In whom ye also trusted what he said. After that ye have heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with, the, with that Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed. With that Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. Unto the praise of his glory. Which is the earnest. That is the down payment. That is the sign. Until the redemption. The Holy Spirit. To measure our faith. Is a very simple fashion then. Once we believe, once he rewards, how do we measure our faith? It's very simple. If we have taken and accepted the forgiveness of Christ, shortly thereafter, fruits will start to follow. Very simple. And remember, Ephesians 1, 13, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise what are the fruits of that Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. If the first work of faith has worked in our lives, this is how people eventually, or not just right away maybe, will start to define our character, meek, joyful, long-suffering, because the Holy Spirit leads, directs. The Holy Spirit is on the throne because I believe what he said. This is how our character will eventually be defined as love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. What do we see here? We see a reward. Of them that diligently seek him. So we can see the working of faith. We see the need or calling and we react it. Even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead being alone. It's there's nothing there. Without our reaction, we're not don't have faith, we're faithless. What's the opposite of faithless? Faithful. God placed the spirit within us, desires to lead and direct us. The only way we can measure if we're faithful to to God is that we show forth works of obedience. So looking back now, can we truthfully say this has happened in our life? Can we say that the work has begun? Is that our character, the fruits of the Holy Spirit? If it is, then the life of faith continues. It continues. It doesn't stop there. <clears throat> we, let's look at the men of faith in Hebrews 11. By faith, verse 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. In verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. By faith, Noah being warned of God of seeing not seen as yet, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. Through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. Verse 17 By faith Abraham when he was tried offered up Isaac. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. 21 By faith Jacob when he was dying blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, and gave commandment concerning his bones. Because he believed that what God had promised, that They will get out of Egypt, out of this bondage. He believed that, and he said, and he told him to take his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come for years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which Egyptians, Egyptians are saying to do were drowning. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the heart of the Rahab perished not with them that believed not when shall received the spies with peace. And the writer said he would have gone on, covered many more, but time would fail him. But what we would realize that these people, these men of faith and these women of faith live that life, that, that pattern, seeing, believing, reacting. Without a reaction, it's dead. Here are the works of these godly people. In, in verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others at trial of cruel mockings and scorchings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sun asunder, were tempted, were slain. With a sword, they wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. We look at these works of these people and the impact they've made, and I start wondering about the life of faith that I have. and since i've come to christ how is my faith being built up or my walk of faith the point where we're going with this message is to take the word of god and follow it with all diligence follow it with all diligence this is faith remember the biblical definition of faith that is more than a mental aspiration to have faith in God is to believe and to be faithful in the commandments that He gives us and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In Romans 1:16, "For I' am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith. faith as it is written the just shall live by faith so that is the only way that we even grow that we even exist is to pursue in other words a life of obedience from faith to faith the just shall live by faith we have to notice the word here faith and faith we say that Jesus died and rose again and has forgiven us. It's partly true, but that, but that is more believing. Faith is how we have reacted since we believed. From faith to faith is moving from obedience to obedience as we believe the word of God as he matures us in that walk. Also he directs us according to his will. And calling for our lives. And see, there is, there is the, the response to the written word of God and being faithful to it. And then there is there is God knocking on our lives, knocking at our door, um, callings on our life, um, the, reacting to burdens that He places on our hearts. It goes on and on. And if we don't react, there is the chain stops. We, we don't grow. We don't move. This is how the righteousness of God is being revealed. By us reacting to these things. So often we run into people. Especially younger people that are totally discouraged, and cannot find any fulfillment in Christ. See it so many times. Well, I venture to say that they're not being faithful to the word of God. They are faithless, not faithful. And it's, it, it can so easily, we can so easily fall into that. Even what we heard in the opening of going down our own ways of choosing what we call righteous and not being faithful to the things that God places in our lives and being faithful to these things. And I believe if we're not faithful to what God has given us, We will lose heart, we will lose purpose, and we will be discouraged. As new believers, they have to ask and challenge themselves if they really believe all the promises of God. Has he forgiven me? Is he hearing my prayers? Have I forgiven those that hurt me? It's, it's one thing saying we do, and it's another thing living it. It's like saying, when the Bible says to love your enemies and love your neighbors. And I say, well, the Bible says I should love my enemies and I love my neighbors. So I love my neighbors, I love my enemies. But if we actually checked our hearts to see if we actually love our neighbor. If we love our brothers. Maybe first we should be honest and say, "Mm, I actually don't quite, I don't love this brother. I don't love this sister. And actually come before the Lord and ask him to help and pray over that brother or sister and to love them and to reach out to them and to be there for them. See, it's again that mental aspiration that we love someone if we actually don't. For as, as new believers, as struggling, maybe young people, do we take this simple commandment seriously in the Word of God as draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you? Cleanse your hands, ye you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye you double minded. If we do not take this verse at face value, as what at what it says, then we'll be disheartened, we'll be disoriented. Remember, once we do it, then it's faith. If we just say, "Yeah, I believe in drawing nigh to God," I will draw nigh to God, and never ever doing anything about it—that is not faith. Actually, drawing nigh to God, seeing it, believing it, and doing it is living by faith. Or maybe if there's discouragement, disorientation, maybe we're unfaithful to the small things because maybe of discomfort in life. Maybe it doesn't quite fit what I really want to do. Well, that again will not help us out. So, as we continue our journey of faith, I have a few challenges here I'd like to evaluate. If we have a mental aspiration of faith uh, or an ideology, or if we are walking by faith. Number one, again, I conducted it myself, so they're not in any book. Do I find myself seeking the will of God for my life? Because of this, there is a burning desire to serve God and his people. Do I find in my life that I love the things that Jesus did? And we have to be honest in seeking and actually asking ourselves these questions. Do I seek the will of God for my life? Is it even on my prayer list? Is the calling of God on my life on my prayer list? is, do, am I serious about seeking the face of God? If, if we can't say yes to these things, then we're not walking the walk of faith. Number two, is there evidence of responding to the written word of God in the previous months or even years? Is there evidence of me responding to the written word of God the word of God says this, I have to respond. I might have to give up things. I might have to change my lifestyle. Even some radical moves in my life that were a direct result of being, of being the word of God. Can I look back and see where the word of God has changed my lifestyle, my life? If it, if it is, then we're doing pretty good. If we can't find that evidence, well, then we have to question. Do I reference the word and keep it near to my heart? Do I reference the word and keep it near to my heart? It looks even nowadays we see um, people even taking it lightly and quoting it in fun and um, just not referencing the word of God. And I believe it's, it's, um, it's another sign. It, it's not dear to me. I, I don't reverence. I don't place it as the final authority in my life that, that, that gets a reaction out of my life. <laughs> Is there evidence of responding to revelations or callings of God in my life? Especially when it comes to ministry work outside of my own of my own personal preferences and needs. Is there evidence of such works in my life? Um, God unburdens revelations, uh, God touching our hearts and we reacting to that. Especially when it comes to to ministry work or any work that is outside of my personal preference or outside my personal surroundings, my bubble. Is there evidence of such work? Is there evidence in my life that I was willing to sacrifice standards and comforts to stay obedient to the word of God? Number five. Is there evidence in my life that I was willing to sacrifice? Give up to stay obedient to the word of God. Number six, is there evidence that I'm willing to surrender my idols and and earthly possessions that I hold dear for the sake of the gospel? Am I willing to give idols up? Am I willing to leave them behind for the sake of the gospel? Am I willing to give up the things that I really hold dear for the sake of the gospel, irritate things? Is there evidence that I've done it? Again, we can say, yes, I would do it in a heartbeat. But if we look back, have we done it? That is who we are. Is there any evidence in my life that I esteem the body of Christ dearer and more precious than blood, family, and relatives? This is a hard one. I always find that, amongst our people, probably one of the biggest challenges of the commandments of Christ to give up family, everything for the sake of the gospel. Oh, it's a tough one. And to see the working and the moving of Christ, to give all that up, are we willing? Is there evidence? that we're willing to do it? Is there evidence that we have? Hey, maybe sometimes we have. we're not have been able to do it, but at least are we willing? And if we have, if we, even if we could, is there evidence? These are some just simple points that we can measure if we're not in, in the faith, of we're just having an ideology or a mental aspiration of who we want to be. See, faith requires action. If we cannot look back and find these actions in our life, even if we, we earlier we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, if we cannot see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, then it's maybe just an idea. It's, it, re, it does require action. Charles Spurgeon said this of his book, of faith in his book, Morning and Evening. If our, if our fate be worth anything, it will stand the test. Guilt is afraid of fire, but gold is not. The, pay, the pace gem dreads to be touched by the diamond, but a true jewel fears no test. It is a poor fate which can only trust God when friends are true. The body full of health and the business profitable But that is true faith, which which holds by the Lord's faithfulness when friends are gone, when the body is sick, when the spirits are depressed and the light of our Father's countenance is hidden. A faith which can say in the direst trouble, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, is heaven born faith. In closing. one of our best-loved hymns of faith, It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by Horatio Spetford. And Mr. Spetford was a wealthy businessman in Chicago. Chicago. Um, He lost much of his real estate holdings in the Great Chicago Fire. Um, He lost his son, to Scarlet Fever, I believe, before that fire. And so after the fire, just to maybe find rest and relief, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to Europe, intending to join them later for a time of rest, as well as to assist Moody and Sankey with a revival in Great Britain. But the voyage was struck by disaster, and Spefford. Received the cable from his wife with a painful message saved alone. Speber quickly made arrangements to join his wife. When they reached a spot where his daughters had drowned, Spefford marked that sad event with words of hope. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say. It is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. We can only say these words truthfully from our our hearts if we've lived that life of faith. And we can stand in our greatest disaster, We can stand in the greatest calamity and say it is well, it is well with my soul because we trust the one who has faithfully rewarded whom we sought in good times and bad times and we can say it is well, it is well with my soul. These powerful words written in the midst of such pain are a reminder to us today that even though we may be enduring great suffering and hardship, it is not the end of God's plan for us. Sometimes God's children get discouraged because it appears that life is going better for those who are doing wrong. Yet the end result of both paths is already settled. Those who fear God will be able to say, it is well. Those who oppose God will quickly find that the end of their path is death and destruction. Keeping the end results in mind helps us keep doing right. I know most of us probably are not, we're not seeing outward suffering, but I know that our people even sitting in this room or are listening to this message, who are struggling with acceptance and love, forgiveness. And may we have the grace to come to the cross and bring our burdens to him and accept his deliverance by faith, by faith, reacting, responding when we come to him. I know there are people here who are struggling with finding fulfillment in their life, believing the word of God. I say, believe the word of God, surrender to him and conquer enemy territory. If he says, if you feel him say surrender, you surrender. How we surrender, there's action, there's results, and he will reward. May we, as we come to the end of our journey, as we live our lives, and whenever we face calamity because of our life of faith, be able to say, It is well with my soul. Whatever, my Lord, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. A lukewarm and a cold life will never be able to say that. A divided person, a double-minded person, a defiant person will never be able to say that. But may we be ready to say, it is well with my soul. Blessings.